Welcome to the second series of the Memories of Comptry Beats podcast. And what a way to start series number two. Uh, I'm talking to a guy who not only was his national under-16, under-21 champion, he picked up the European and world under-21 champion. He was Nordic final champion three times, picked up many gold bar winners, medals. He was also the Danish national champion, won three separate Grand Prix rounds in his career. An amazing eight World Team Cup gold medals and two World Pairs gold medals. But most of all, for the fans listening to this today, the winner of three British League titles with the Coventry Bees. And uh, it's fair to say that this guy goes down as a, a personal hero when I was growing up, but also a big hero to a lot of fans. And that's Tommy Nudson. Tommy, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks. It's uh, It's been, a, been a, a long journey to try and get hold of you, but I'm so glad that I finally got hold of you. And uh, before we go into into going through some some great memories, Tommy, what what are you up to these days? Oh, uh, not 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 uh, any exciting stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have some uh, investments in some properties and different things, and I spent some of my time on that. And uh, my free time, I play uh, golf a couple of times a week when it's possible. And then, of course, I I have a big family, which. Uh, also takes quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like uh, it sounds like you found a, the perfect life away from what was uh, a very busy sort of twenty to, to, to thirty years in the sport. Um, so let, let's let's dive straight in, Tommy. Let's go into all the way back. I can't believe that uh, you know we're talking well over forty years ago now. Seems seems an amazing time ago. But uh, you'd picked up the Danish Junior Championship in nineteen seventy eight, and you'd been over to Brandon a couple of times for some second halves and then uh, a decision was made to join the bees uh, permanently in 1979 how did the uh, how did the move come about um well uh, although it's many years ago i, I still uh, remember it clearly um like you say i won the junior championship in denmark uh, when i was 16 in 78 and um Apparently, Ollie Olsen's uh, dad had been down there to watch the meeting, and uh, I think he had told Ollie about how I, I won it, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what happened uh, in the weeks after. But um, one day, Ollie gave me a call. Um, I think it was maybe a few weeks after I won the Danes Championship. And asked me if I was interested to come over to a, for a trial run in at Coventry, and uh, that's how it really came about. And and at the time I was, it was very unexpected. It never really crossed my mind that I would uh, move to England uh, and start a professional career. Um, so uh, I had to, uh, and obviously I was only. 16 at the time so i had to have a talk to my parents about it and uh, get back to to ollie a few days later and uh, at the end uh, i agreed to to come across and uh, with my my father we we came across on the boat um, to harrods and i remember peter adams uh, actually met us down at the docks and uh, we followed him up to to coventry and, and at that time, Peter was um, quite an important part in Ollie's career, as, as he spoke about when, when I spoke to Ollie last season. But um, what what was your first uh, memories? And when you got to Coventry, um, I'm guessing the stadium would have been bigger than, than, than most of the tracks that you'd have, have ridden uh, over in your in your junior years. What was your sort of first impression when you pulled into the, the big car park? Who um, I, I was, it was just like sort of a, a dream, really. I. We drove into the stadium. I, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, uh, the first thing I wanted to do was have a look at the track. And uh, it was so different to what I'd ridden before. I remember that the banking was very steep. I'd never seen seen that before. Um, yeah, but an exciting time, and uh, I was very shy at the at the time, and uh, didn't speak very good English, so. Uh, I don't think they they got many words out of me. <laughs> <laughs> what um what was your first impression? Obviously, you've obviously came over and done the, the second halves, and then 
you, you signed a deal to come back permanently in, in 79. What were your uh, first impressions and sort of memories of, of the late, great Charles Ockletree, who at the time, uh, and probably still is even now, even though he's been gone at a fair time, was was one of the best, if not the best promoter in the sport? Well, the thing with, with Charles was that <clears throat> he was tough to deal with, but um, once you'd agreed terms, you know, he always... Uh, you could always trust him, and that was nice, you know. Uh, I think, I'm sure some riders at some other tracks might uh, have earned uh, better money than I did uh, at some stage, but, you know, I was always paid on time, and uh, I I just really felt comfortable um, in the in the club. And uh, although Charles was very tough to deal with, he, he also looked looked after his riders. And and you you make your your B's debut, Tommy, um, forty two years ago now at Leicester in a in a challenge meeting, um, another big iconic stadium that unfortunately was lost to the sport. But uh, in that first meeting, you showed glimpses of what was to come. You shared a couple of five ones with Ollie. What, do you have any memories of that opening night at Leicester at all? In terms of were you nervous? How did you uh, how did you feel rocking up at the tape? I, I was very nervous, but more excited, I think. Um, and uh, I remember Ollie sort of, he helped me quite quite a lot, uh, both mentally on the night, but uh, also on, on the track. And uh, it was a great relief, uh, you know, to, to have done quite well in my first meeting because I, I, I didn't know what to expect and I didn't know how exactly how tough the, the competition was. And it was a, a new track to me, but fairly similar to Coventry uh, and I had ridden at Coventry some you know at practice a few times um, but still you know every track track was new to me so uh, I just went out there and did my best and obviously also made you know quite a lot of mistakes the, the first season but I remember that first night very clearly very exciting and then a few weeks later, Tommy, you make your your home debut. Um, you actually picked up a, a race win in your first meeting, which is a, a lot of the youngsters that, that come over from from different countries they don't manage to do that until much later on. But what uh, what what was it like taking in your early stages anyway? Taking a checkered flag with a packed grandstand at Brandon under the lights. It must have been quite a special sort of view from from down on the track. I, I don't remember uh, me winning. Uh, th that first race, but I remember clearly uh, uh, getting onto the track, uh, you know, for the races with so many spectators. It was um, really exciting and very different to what I was used to in Denmark, where where we might, I think there was a, maybe five, eight hundred spectators. So um, there was such a great bus at the stadium, and uh, it was. Um, Really, really great experience. And in that first season, Tommy, not only did you have Ollie there, but you had Alf, uh, somebody that obviously you spent plenty of time with back in the years. And uh, that must have helped you settle into a team which included a, a couple of uh, tough sort of Australian New Zealanders like Gary Guglielmi, Mitch Shearer, quite a quite a tough team, but also one that that had quite a decent team spirit. Yeah, very much so. And um, <clears throat> well, I, I felt very much. Uh, at home, comfortable with, especially with Ollie and Alf there, um, and uh, the other guys in the team, they they really helped me uh, as well. You know, I was the youngest in the team, inexperienced, and uh, every time if if I run into any problems with my uh, bikes, and my engines, whatever, you know, there was always help on hand, and uh, so I would say after. Only a couple of weeks, I, I really felt uh, good. And what were your, um, you, you've mentioned Leicester already, Tommy, but what, what were your impression of some of the tracks that you had to visit in that first season? In particular, uh, I know a lot of people were never fond of, of places like Exeter and, um, you know, Reading and Poole and Halifax, places like that, which were all had their, their unique differences, didn't they? Yes, uh, it was quite scary at times <laughs> when, <laughs> when I first saw the, the track. But funny enough, all those uh, tracks you mentioned, most of them, I really like them. I, I love going to Halifax and Exeter and, and Poole, and although they were very different uh, 
uh, tracks. Um, I quite uh, like that kind of tracks, especially with banking and uh, the big corners. <clears throat> so, but uh, coming from from the small Danish league, most tracks were a lot um, slicker and harder, and no banking. And then coming to England with the a lot of more clay in the tracks, uh, more grippy. It took me, uh, you know, some time to to adjust to that. Yeah, I, I was looking at some of your some of your stats in in your first season, and you you managed to to get a very impressive six point average. But importantly for the team, I guess, and, and that helped the team do so well, is that away from home you, you tended to have some better scores than than you did at Brandon. Was it because Brandon historically was a it was always quite a fair track? Did you did you take a while to get dialed in at home? Mm, it's it's funny you're saying that. I, I don't remember at all that I had a, a better average away that first season. Um, I, I quite liked the, the Brandon track, so it's not as if I had to get used to the track. Um, so I can't really say why I uh, scored better away from home. And, and at the end of that first season, Tommy, which was to be the first of, of the three league titles you picked up, there was a a massive one one meeting shootout with Hull and Ivan Major, and uh, even though I was extremely young, people that talk about that night to this day say that they've never seen Brandon so packed since then. Um, do you have any memories of, of that sort of that big meeting at the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I also remember sort of leading up to it uh, at the time. Uh, Alf Bosk and and I we we lived together and we had uh, the same the workshop. Uh, we shared a workshop as well. And in in the days up to that meeting, we we talked about it and. It was sort of a great build-up to that great uh, finish, and uh, every everyone was really nervous and excited. Um, and um, on the night, it was well one of the best meetings ever. I remember, you know, it was so exciting. And did um, uh, when I, when I caught up with Ollie, he was saying that he was probably putting a lot of pressure on the team to make sure that they performed on that night. Did you, did you feel any additional pressure or was it like you say at the time, a lot of it for yourself in your first season? <sighs> exciting. Well, obviously I felt extra pressure because it was the most important meeting of the year. But I mean, I always uh, sort of felt pressure and, uh, Ollie always put a lot of pressure on on the team, and uh, but he he was he was really great at at sort of building up the team and uh, uh, build uh, conf- confidence into to us younger riders uh, especially. Um, so it was he was certainly a, a great part of of winning the league that year. And and then. We will we won't skip on too much, but obviously the year after Tommy, you came back again. You you increased your average from six to nearly eight points a meeting to show a fabulous progression. But in 1980, you picked up what is now known as the World Under 21 Championship. Um, had that been a target of yours from from the moment you sort of had won the Danish title? Was it something that was always on the cards that you wanted to try and pick up? Uh, no, not that I remember. I, I sort of just. I never sort of set any targets. I just uh, sort of did one season at a time, and obviously always wanted to to do my best. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, that was a, a great win down there, um, and um, I had a, a good second season with with the the team as well. And and then 1981, which for for a lot of bees fans, uh, from a personal level. Um, uh, for yourself was was it you know your best season so far i mean some of the some of the numbers that i was i was looking at online i mean 26 double figure score meetings nine maximums including your first two full maximums and finishing the season with a with a nine and a half average i mean in just your third season that 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 showed amazing progression didn't it yeah i, I remember I, every uh, new season at the start i um, my aim was to increase my average uh, a fair bit, and uh, that uh, I was lucky enough to to make that happen for for the first three or four seasons. And after that, I just wanted you know to be consistent. And uh, obviously, when you have a, a good team and um, 
some great riders in it. You know, we we sort of you push each other. You know, because uh, you're everyone in the team wants to to be at your best and some certainly want to be uh, one of the heat leaders. And at the end of 1981, Tommy, um, you know, one of the most vivid memories as a young child, I was taken down to Wembley 1981 for the, the World Championship. And uh, when I mentioned I'd be talking to you, I, I was contacted by uh, Paul Pinfold Jr. Um, I know that you knew the Pinfold family quite well uh, from the local area. And I think his dad uh, built a special frame for you to, to ride at Wembley. Is that right? Um, Paul, uh helped me um, quite a lot with especially if there was some welding to be done and uh, um, with the frames and tubes and so on but but I, I don't think I actually ever wrote that frame he made because it was too close to the to the final so I was afraid to it was too big a, a risk and a chance to take because I uh, didn't have time to to uh, test it enough so so I don't think I wrote it at the world final. Okay, uh, but in terms of the actual world final itself, um, I know a lot of people would have, have spoken to you about it over the years. But the races with with Ollie and Bruce in particular, uh, and the crowd being that that must have been probably the biggest crowd you rode in front of in your career. Would you say? Yeah, it it must have been. I think uh, a meeting at Katowice I did once was uh, pretty close, but Wembley was something else. You know that was. Uh, really special i i remember even during the races i could hear the crowd i mean i've never experienced that before you know with all the noise and the helmet on but uh, there was a fantastic uh, atmosphere on the night and and did you think you were were close to winning it that night or did you did you think that bruce and, and ollie etc would just had the just had the edge well before the meeting i i never thought i would be able to win it but um I thought I had a chance of a top five, uh, and that was, that's what I was going for. Um, and um, well, the two races with Ollie and Bruce uh, they were pretty close and uh, quite quite exciting. But um, Bruce just had the edge on me, um, and at at the time he had some very very fast engines as well, uh, which I knew. And although I I felt I, I rode the perfect line. Uh, every corner nearly he still managed to to uh, catch me and uh, you know he, it was a deserved win uh, for him that night and I was fairly pleased with my third place anyway yeah, absolutely and and with it being the early part of your career in the UK would you say that the the clashes with Cradley and Bruce in particular was Bruce probably one of your main rivals in that in that period of your career early on were there any other riders you could think of that that you always enjoyed coming up against um, I had a lot of hard races with Bruce, uh, also with Kenny Carter. I remember. Uh, um, yeah, they were always uh, hard to beat. But uh, every time I sort of uh, met one of the top guys, I I was uh, just det- I was really determined to to, to beat them, and uh, it happened sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, Kenny was tough, wasn't he? He was a, he was a, a tough, you know, Englishman, and you knew what you were going to get from Kenny, I guess. But he, but he also seemed to be able to take it back. Oh yeah, he, he never complained if you if you sort of uh, pushed him a bit. Um, and like I said earlier, I really liked the, the Halifax track, so so mm-hmm. I I beat him quite a few times up there, and uh, he didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the travelling beast fan enjoyed that, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in 1982, like you say, you, you started to you maintain that average from the the uh, 81, which was a, was a great season. I know you, I've read somewhere that you said that, that at a point you you potentially should have tried a different maybe track to help you with your career in terms of moving on. But at that time, like you said, you were you were comfortable, you were getting paid on time, and and you really felt at home at, at Coventry. Yeah, um, that, that's right. Sort of thinking back, uh, I think you would have been good for my my career to have uh, changed club at some t- time but I was just very happy at at Brandon and uh, I was never really close to doing it but looking back I, I think it would have been better for me to maybe start up at a, another club uh, a smaller smaller track for example would have been 
done my uh, riding style good. But uh, I, I came to the best club and uh, <laughs> uh, I just stayed on. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Um, and, and in 1983, another another season which actually promised so much. Um, uh, you know, 25 matches you rode in and 20 of those, Tommy, you, you hit double figures to show that you were you were in an amazing run of form. But uh, you, you then ended that season with a... Um, an average of 10 points um, and it was Ollie's Ollie's final season in the UK and, and it also introduced a, a new young rider to the B's team who you'd get on with and spend a lot of time with in, in Rick Miller. What memories do you have of, of teaming up with Rick on those early stages? Um, I remember we uh, obviously he, he it took a few weeks before he sort of got used to the tracks and everything over there but once he sort of got going and uh, I uh, if I remember right, we were paired together quite quite a lot uh, that season and uh, won quite a lot of races, uh, 5-1 races, and uh, had some great team riding. And uh, I think we had a good understanding uh, of our riding and uh, how, you know, especially down on the first corner, looking out for each other. And, and 1983, Tommy, probably became the first season where you, you received what was probably your most serious injury in your career at that point with a, a second-half crash just after a, an amazing meeting against Cradley, another close last-seat win. Um, and you had a, a bad spill and, and you, you quite badly injured your arm. Um, what, what memories do you have of the, of the incident? Oh, I, I remember it quite well. And uh, um, I... I I have regretted that many times afterwards um, that season that because it was only a second half race and uh, I should have just taken it a bit easier. I I remember we won the new white Carlisle tyres and uh, that caught me out a bit uh, because they were a bit different to ride. And um, uh, if I remember right, I actually ran into uh, uh, Simon Wick and uh, well, it was a really bad crash. Yeah. And and did you did you think at the time when when it happened did you did you sort of know that it was going to keep you out for for such a length of time or did you just think as a normal speedway rider you'll be back in a couple of weeks or did it did it feel no, did no it feel... I knew I knew it was serious this because uh, my arm was really badly broken. Okay. I could I could tell straight away. Okay. Yeah, and and the biggest uh, problem well. The following year was that I had my arm plated, and uh, the, the plates uh, they they actually broke while I was while I was riding in the middle of a bend, without without crashing, just wow. just from the strain. Wow! And and it so, kept so it cost it cost me really two seasons that arm. Yeah, I was going to say it finished your eighty three season, and and although you did come back in eighty four, you didn't come back till sort of mid season. Um, still managed to, you know, bang in a, a fabulous eight-point average considering the injury troubles that you'd had. But uh, the, the club was beginning to change. Ollie had had finished. Another new young Dane um, came in in, in uh, John Jorgensen. And again, John was a rider who you'd ride very lot, you know, a lot of times with over the, the the next sort of seven or eight years after that. What uh, what memories do you have of John and, and any battles you had with him before he actually moved to Coventry? Uh, I- it's funny enough, I don't remember any battles with him before Coventry. I mainly remember John after he arrived at Coventry. And uh, like with with Rick, uh, John and I had uh, a lot of good races together and uh, good understanding uh, of of our lines on the track and so on. And, and one thing, Tommy, that always stood out uh, when, when watching you on the track, riding for the Bees or even riding in a pairs meeting for Denmark was... The, the skill that you had in terms of team riding was, was that something that you learned from other riders as you were growing up how did it become sort of such a big part of, of your career because you were always like you said that first corner there'd be a little you know cut down on the curb you look over your right shoulder for your partner that sort of thing how, how did it sort of did it just naturally come to you mm, I, I don't really remember how how it all started but i'm i'm sure that uh, riding with with Ollie, uh, the first few seasons uh, uh, taught me a lot, and uh, 
he sort of showed how how to do the the team riding before because before I came to England I'd never done any team riding because in Denmark we never had any pairs meeting okay. all the, all the meetings were like with four team tournaments okay so it was like a, it was like a new skill but you, yeah it was definitely something that that you picked up because one guy who uh, joined the side in, in in 85 who you would you know form a real good spearhead with uh, in the one and two race jacket was david barge and it just seemed to me that it looked like you had walkie talkies in your helmets because you seemed to just know where each other was going to be at all times on that track yeah, I had some great uh, <clears throat> races with with David, and uh, the good thing with with Dave was that he he always let me choose. Most of the time, he just let me choose the gate because he knew I would help him out on the first bend if if I had if I had the chance, and he was he was there, and uh, there was a great understanding between us, especially on the first couple of bends. And, and another guy that joined the, the side in 85 and, and you could see the nucleus of the team being built, which was going to be so successful uh, a couple of seasons later, was was Calvin. And, uh, you know, yourself and Calvin just seemed to have this um, relationship whereby you were both wanted to do the best for the team, but you also both wanted to, to sort of remain a, a, as top dog. And I know Calvin probably became the, the closest challenge to, to taking that number one race jacket from you. Yeah, we, we we really wanted to to beat uh, well to be top scorer both of us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't want to 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 lose to to one another, and uh, it sort of pushed us. Uh, you know, both of us uh, got the I think got the be- best out of us. Although it was fierce competition, we still had a lot of respect for each other and uh, had no problem in team riding either when it when it counted we had a lot of good uh, uh five ones i think uh in the last heat yeah there, there was many a time where we traveled to an away match and you were going into heat 15 thinking you know could we get a five one here and the next thing you know you've popped out calvin's popped out and and the opposition were were covered in dirt behind and it, it was great to watch over over a number of years it certainly was and in 85 tommy you uh gained your first over 10 point average which is a a stunning achievement for any rider, including 11 maximums to show what sort of, what sort of form you'd come back in after your injury. But the, I think the highlight in 85 probably wasn't for the bees. I think the, the, the world team cup in America at long beach where, where you got a maximum was, was probably the standout performance for yourself that year. Uh, yeah, it, it probably was. Um, uh, that it was one of my best seasons, uh, 85. And, uh, I, I really that that year I remember I really thought I had a, a good chance of uh, winning the the championship at uh, Bradford, um, yeah. but it just didn't work out on the night for me. Uh, I didn't. I had a couple of bad starts and so on. But as a as a whole, that that season was uh, was one one of the best. And and the the meeting in Long Beach, um, really long straights, big sweeping bends, and, and an amazing stadium. And, and at that time. Denmark were were really stamping their authority on the sport as a whole, weren't you? Yeah, we had some great years, uh, a really really strong strong team, and uh, we were just determined to win every time we we uh, got to a meeting. And uh, that uh, meeting at Long Beach was was a tough one because uh, the Americans on home soil, and they did everything they could to beat us. Uh, um, I remember. As we were the changing rooms, they were sort of down under the main building in the cellar, and uh, someone locked the door. We were locked in for about twenty minutes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we were sure that they they fixed that just to uh, <laughs> to uh, make it difficult for us. But uh, it just made us more determined. And at that time, they they had riders like uh, Bobby Schwartz, Dennis Segalos, John Cook, you know, real sort of showmen who, uh, who, who were, were, you know, like to party hard and, and, and perform hard on the track as well. But it just seemed that the, the Danish side with, with yourself, Eric, Hans, um, Jano in the future years, that there just seemed to be a, a, a an extra level of professionalism in, in the Danish setup. Certainly at the time, we... Uh... We were very determined to 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 beat the Yanks uh, over there, and um, it was 
really a, a great experience. Um, we were very nervous and excited before the meeting, and it was one of the best meetings I've uh, taken part in. It was so close all the way through. And a great result at the end for, for the Danish team. And, and just before I move back on to, to Coventry, that there must have been a, an amazing level of rivalry again, but also respect between riders like yourself and, and Hans and Eric, who, you know, the three of you during that sort of 80s were, were three of the best riders in the world. Yeah, we, we did not like to, uh, to lose <laughs> to each other. <laughs> uh, but when we rode in the Danish team, on the same side, we uh, had no problems uh, working together. But uh, in the league meetings and uh, individual meetings, uh, we were, were very. Uh, we had some well tough rivalry, I would say, and and on the track we had some hard hard races at times. There's a, a famous meeting that was on on TV in England, Tommy, where we rode Cradley, and, and yourself and Eric both got excluded for touching the tapes at the same time, and. It's still a video that's on YouTube now, which always brings back fond memories. But those those meetings with Cradley, especially sort of Easter Monday morning over there and, and back at Brandon at night, they were some special times. Yeah, yeah, I remember those uh, meetings, a lot of them against uh, Cradley. Um, they, they did not like to, to lose to us uh, and vice versa. I, I mean... Uh, that, that was sort of the, the big meetings in the Midlands those those days. Yeah. And and in 1987, Tommy, the start of what I would call for the, for those two years in particular, the golden era, um, the first league title for the club in, in sort of eight years and, you know, a, a, a league average of yourself at 10.9. Um, it just shows how, how dominant you became in, in, in the British League over that period of time. And, and the team were were pretty dominant as well. What what sort of memories do you have of that that nineteen eighty seven sort of season where the five of you had been together and then a couple of young reserves, David Clark, Andy Hackett came in and yeah, you know, the team were, were pretty much unbeatable. I I just remember we had a very strong side and uh, I I can't remember my average was that high. Uh, yeah, but, crazy, um, crazy. But but Kelvin, he must have been thereabouts as well. Yeah, he wasn't far behind, but you again, you did what you did. You you maintained the the number one race jacket and just kept him behind, which I'm sure annoyed Calvin at the time. But yeah, uh... I'm sure it did. <laughs> but but uh, we had a really really good team uh, that that year, and um, I think the rivalry between Calvin and myself uh, just helped yeah. helped the the, the team uh, as well. And um, yeah. I, I think once you know. In the team, once you start winning, it just gives uh, all the boys uh, extra confidence, you know, and and you have those extra ten percent when it counts. And and not only was the rivalry between yourself and Calvin, but Rick and John had also formed a really good partnership. But they also wanted to beat each other. And when yeah. I spoke to Rick, you know, he was saying that sometimes him and John would would fall out in the pits because they'd, they'd done something wrong on the track but yeah <laughs> just seemed to be a, just seemed that the team spirit was there and what was it like with with Mick as team manager Mick Ballard come back as team manager and, and you had a good relationship with Mick as well yeah well we like you said there was um, really a good rivalry between us riders um, and now you mentioned uh, Kelman and John uh, I'd forgotten about that but that's right <laughs> they were fighting as well for for that third spot and uh, I mean Mick he was he was always such a a nice guy you know um, very, always very pleasant but professional and uh, I, th I think he he did a really good uh, job uh, in the team um, also to do with the team team spirit and and that that season obviously picking up the league title but the the, the good news was that the majority of the side would be would be kept together um, for the following season and back to back league titles again for the club and it was only really um, Bargy that, that left and he was replaced with Neville um, but again the team were, were very consistent and uh, and it very much followed the same pattern as 1987 Yes, yeah, that, that's right. Um, I, I I can't sort of uh, remember the two season 
apart from each other. It's, it's just I just just remember we had two really great years, um, and um, yeah, and and some good uh, riders in, in the team, and and there was two reserve spots. They were two very important uh, numbers as well. Yeah. And, and a couple of, just before we move on, Tommy, past that, a couple of interesting things happened to you in, in those couple of years. One of them, which became a, a, a TV clip on the, on the quiz show, Question of Sport, when you, you came off the fourth turn on the final lap at Swindon and you performed one of your, your very stylish wheelies. But uh, on this occasion, it, it went a bit backwards, didn't it? Do you remember that? <laughs> How can I forget? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you... My children, they they do remind me once in a while, <laughs> because although they were, uh, well, our two oldest uh, did see me ride, but they were very very young, uh, so they were never a big part of of my speedway life at that time. Yeah. But uh, they've managed to find it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and and you did style it out, Tommy, though, with it with a fabulous bow at the end. But it's uh, what what sort of goes through your head at that point is the first thing. I hope nobody hits me. Um, the second thing, is it embarrassment? And what, what sort of goes through your mind at that point? I think the first thing I thought, where can I hide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, very embarrassing. But at least I managed to win, cross the line. <laughs> yeah, get the, the point. It would have been even more embarrassing <laughs> if I'd crashed before the the finishing line. Absolutely. Um, and and there's one incident that people remember at Brandon Tommy quite a quite a hard fought race with with uh, Bellevue one night and 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 a you know an altercation with Paul Thorpe just coming off the the fourth turn across the, the grandstand and and he pretty much left you with nowhere to go and uh, at that point it, it looked a, a real serious accident but you've mentioned there was some hard sort of uh, antics on track is is there any any other sort of incidents like that that stick out in your mind. Oh, uh, there's many incidents where, uh, I'm, and I'm sure any rider remember some incidents where they feel uh, the referee took the wrong decision. And uh, when when you're in in the fire and on on the day, you know, you just feel, um, you know, you do. You, you you just get very uh, angry when when you feel that the referee uh, takes us a, a decision when you know yourself whose fault it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And did it? You always seem to be. I mean, this isn't you know this isn't having rose tinted glasses, but you, you did always seem to be a, a fair rider. You, you did seem to leave people room, um, whereas it wasn't always reciprocated the other way. Did did that sort of? Did you ever keep sort of names and sort of memories about times and maybe? get a bit back in the future no i i, I think any rider knows uh, the, the other riders sort of style and uh, when you when you meet riders you, you know oh okay this one you have to be careful and uh, you know another one actually for the first time uh, for years i watched uh, a couple of races the other night because um I had a visitor that mentioned it, uh, so we found it was the World World Team Cup at Coventry, okay. uh, where I had a race with Chris Louis. Uh, we we were like side by side, nearly for four laps, and he left me room all the time. And and someone like Chris, for example, you always knew that he would leave you room. Um, and then there was other riders; you just knew that they would. Closer the door on you. Yeah. No, that I remember that race. You you were you were chopping and changing, and and it was one of the best races of the, of the meeting that day as well. On what was again uh, another fabulous day in, in the history of the, of the stadium and, and such a big crowd there. But in in 1988, um, you, you did manage to hold a testimonial, um, which was uh, again very well supported, and and I think you you probably saw then the, the respect that you had from supporters of other teams because it was a big crowd and. Uh, I remember there was a, a young lady that rode in a demonstration race who, who looked quite stylish at the start of the meeting. Do you, any idea what happened to her? No, she just <laughs> disappeared out of the limelight. I, I have no idea where she ended up. <laughs> do, you, do you have any memories of, of the testimonial? 
Yes, yes, I do. Um, I remember I was I found it pretty difficult to uh, concentrate one hundred percent on on my racing because there's so many things going on both uh, in the days, weeks, and days before the meeting and and on on the on the night. Um, but it was, um, you know, very. Uh, I was very happy with the way it all all went and. Uh, there's so many people that turned up and uh, helped me on the day. Yeah, and and then at the end of '88, Tommy was the the the, the news came through um, in the early hours of the morning that that turned the club upside down. Really, at that period, we'd been dominant for for a couple of seasons. You were, you know, on on top of the world in terms of averages and and that sort of thing. And uh, a regular trip to to Australia turned sour with a a serious back injury and uh, I remember getting up and reading the news on the TV and, and disbelief and, and that was only from a from a fan's perspective what what uh, what was it like when you were in that on that track and in the hospital in Australia um well at the time as soon as I uh, hit hit the fence um in that race I I knew uh, it was really bad uh, the pain in my back, I just knew that. And I thought at the time that this was it, you know. I mm. uh, I was just, my biggest uh, worry was whether I would be able to to walk again. And uh, in the next few weeks, it was quite a, a tough time, you know, in hospital and uh, operations and so on. And uh, really, already when I was lying on the track, I sort of decided that that was it. I was not going to ride again because I felt this was very close um, to a wheelchair. Yeah. And um, but as you know, I got on the bike again after <laughs> I was going to say a couple of years, and uh, I just couldn't stay away. <laughs> and and is it was it Tommy that mentally? You thought to yourself, like you say, you know, that this this seems very close to not only career defining, but you know, life defining. Really, um, you know, mentally, how difficult was it to when, when you got that phone call from Charles a couple of years later? Um, you, you'd have seen that the club was struggling. Um, obviously, not you know, not your fault. You, you'd got injured, but the, the club was in a different position. But that phone call from Charles, how how mentally tough was it to think? Actually, yeah, I, I want to give it a go again. Um, it was a hard and long and hard decision um, because I was really I was sure in my own mind that I was not going to ride again. Um, but as my back got better and it took some time, uh, about a year before I sort of got rid of most of the pain. Uh, but that phone call from Charles really got got me thinking, and uh, well, it it was really what changed my mind. Because mm. at that time you'd gone into doing some engines, hadn't you? You'd started, you know, sort of in the back office of the sport doing some engines for a few riders. So you were still involved. And, mm, yeah. And I, and I guess did that did that help you make that decision, thinking that you were tinkering around with the equipment? Had you have taken a complete break, maybe it would have been a, a tougher decision to make. Um, at the time, I, I quite really enjoyed uh, doing the engines. Uh, I, I did some some engines for John and started uh, doing a bit for Kelvin Tatum as well and a few other riders, Brian Carger and I can't remember who else. But but I, I quite enjoyed it uh, at the time. Um, and obviously, because I was still sort of in the game on that side, it it was fairly easy for me to to come back again um, and I'm glad I did because when I finally packed up riding in 97 it, it was my own decision yeah it was on your terms wasn't it mm. on your terms and you, you came back in 91 and, and it just showed I don't think anybody was expecting you to have the impact that you did but double figures in, in 28 meetings showing that you know even having two years off the track you know within a the space of, of sort of six months of returning at the end of 90 and getting a few meetings and you about um, you were back up over eight points a meeting. And, and that must have, that must have felt good knowing that you, 
although potentially might have changed your style slightly to, to try and be a little bit more um, safer on the, on the machine, um, you know, you were still winning plenty of races and that must have been good for the confidence. Yeah, it was. But I, I remember it did take some time before I sort of got it out of my mind, uh, my back injury. Uh, especially the first months or so, I it was just in the back of my mind all the time that not to take any any big risks. Uh, but slowly, it I, I sort of got it got it out of my mind, and uh, I think it took me four, three three four months in all. And then in, in 1992, Tommy, which was your last season with the Bees, uh, injury hit for the whole team. Uh, I think only John uh, got injured towards the end. Everybody else had been out the saddle. W- when had you made the decision that 92 was going to be your last in the UK? Uh, I'm not sure when I made it. Um, I think I'd been thinking about it during, during the season. But when I actually made it, uh, I, I think it was when I broke my collarbone. Uh, but I can't recall when I spoke to uh, Ogletree about it or anything. Okay, and and you, 1992 became a um, a third sort of opportunity in, in a world final. Um, you'd gone very close in 81, as we spoke about. You'd gone very close in uh, 86, where you had an incident with hands. And then Roshwav in, in 92... Um, after a couple of rides, you were you were leading the competition before the uh, before the heavens opened, and and it put paid to to that. I'd, I'd driven out there with some friends for the for the actual event, and it, it just seemed that I think if the meeting had carried on in dry conditions, you you stood a really good chance of winning that. Yeah, I I, I feel that too. Um, I, I think there's two things. It, it's one one thing is the track changed completely, but I don't think really that's what caught me out. It, it was more mentally. Yeah. I was so cheered uh, up. I was really, really sharp, and in in the sort of my own little uh, zone uh, that day, I was. I felt really sharp, and I felt I had a good chance. And then there was a long, long break where we just waited and waited. It was like <laughs> I just, whew, I lost all like sort of momentum. Yeah, I, I just felt a different sort of rider. Uh, once I got out again, I think I used all my my en- energy leading up to the meeting and in at the start of the meeting. Yeah, I think uh, it was. So that was really dis- disappointing for me that that year because uh, I, I felt I had a, a good chance there. I mean, it was like what a four or five hour delay, wasn't it? If I remember right, I remember sitting there. It, it, I can't then. remember. It was. I think it was a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you decided to call time on on an amazing career with, with the bees in '92. You, you carried on. Um, you, you carried on. Obviously, I think the, the the speedway scene abroad meant that you could do fewer meetings, and at that time you were beginning to to wind down. But you, you continued winning some more um, World Team Cup medals. But one one big thing for yourself was uh, going into the Grand Prix. Do you think if the Grand Prix had been brought in a few years before that that would have suited you? Uh, having a format over some slightly longer longer rounds, would you reckon that would have given you a better chance? Mm, um, it's difficult to say. Uh, I, I really liked the the Grand Prix format, but I thought it was very exciting as well. The, the one one off day, uh, the one day final as well. Um, I, I don't know whether it would have made a difference, but. Uh, I think the the biggest, uh, I think all all the injuries I had in my career that that uh, changed quite a lot of things and uh, set me back uh, many times. Yeah. But, and, and... but but having said that, you know, looking back, I, I mean, I would do it all again, and I had a really really great time at at Coventry uh, all those years, and I I just loved uh, the whole uh, setup with the British League, and I liked. Uh, living in the Coventry area. So it, it was my home for many years. And, and just talking of Brandon, Tommy, before we before we wrap it up, I mean, it, you've got some amazing memories of the stadium when you first came over in 79. And have you, have you I know you've been away from the sport for a fair bit, um, but, but do you know or are you aware of, of sort of the situation, Brandon? Now have you seen pictures? What, what does it sort of mean to you to know that at the moment it, it's still standing, but, but at the moment there's no, there's no action there? 
Well, it, it's a great shame. You know, uh, I have uh, many, many good memories from Brandon Stadium. And uh, it's a shame that it's just sitting there and, uh, you know, whether... I don't. I don't really know the situation uh, lately. What's What's the latest news? Whether there's a chance of uh, it reopening, but but it's a bit sad. And and Tommy, you know, you've said you've been away from from the sport for a while. I mean, you you mentioned that your family uh, were able to watch you when they were very young. Is it? Do, do you ever sit them down and, and sort of show them memorable things from from the past or any sort of? DVDs or videos that you've got of yourself in in sort of top action, or do they? Uh... No, no, we, we've never seen anything together. Uh, I, I have a lot of old tapes uh, in a box in the loft somewhere, but I haven't seen it uh, for many many years. Uh, but uh, but per- perhaps one day <laughs> in years <laughs> to come, uh, I might show them. Well, but they've, they've they've never really been sort of part of my of my speedway life. So they they don't know me as as uh, Tommy the Speedway Rider. <laughs> and, and when was the last time Tommy you went to a meeting? I know I bumped into it at Cardiff probably three or four years ago, I think it was. Um, but when was the last time you actually took in a, a live meeting? Mm, that is about three four years ago. Wow, uh, I can't even remember the last one. Well, there's a there uh, maybe a chance it was... to take the kids to Voyans or something this year, maybe. Yeah, might, might. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Well, Tommy, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Like I said, growing up throughout the throughout the years in the eighties, you were a hero to a lot of people who still remember your time at the club so fondly. Um, oh, thank you. Thank, thank, thank you very much. And also, I'd just like to take the opportunity to. Send all my uh, best wishes to all the people uh, that I knew back then. Uh, and uh, I had a great time at Coventry. So hello to everyone. Thanks, Tommy. And uh, great talk to you. And uh, hopefully one day we'll, uh, we'll see you at a track again soon. Maybe even if Coventry was to, to reopen, we can get you over there to, uh, to see the, your adoring fans again, maybe in the UK. I'm, I'm sure if, if Brandon reopens, uh, I'll be back and have a... Have a look. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Thanks so much, Tommy, for your time. All right. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.